God, we uh, come to you today. God, you know the journey that you've had us on this week. God, you know what we're bringing to the table today. God, you know our hearts. And you welcome us. We praise you. Jesus, we praise you. And we thank you for what you did, what you accomplished to allow us to even be here today. be standing here in your throne room. We're grateful. So God, we just ask that today would be a a day of honesty and a day of release, a day of repentance, a day of rest. A day of grace. God, we, we surrender to you. Let's just sing that chorus one more time and just uh, give him the praise he deserves, which we can't. <laughs> but we can give him our hearts and, and we can worship him with all of our hearts, all of our mind, all of our strength, all of our soul. So God, help us to do that today. Help us to give you everything. Let's sing that, oh praise.
be seated. Typically at Hillside, the summers tend to be a little bit quieter in terms of activities, but that's definitely not true right now. I've got a bunch of announcements for you. And I just want you to be aware, all this information is available through electronic forms as well. So if you miss something or if you need more details, be sure to check out our website. It's got all the details. Or be sure to check out our uh, like Sunday virtual bulletin on the Uversion Bible app. And probably the best way to stay connected is through our weekly email, the Hillside Happenings email that comes out every Friday morning. Um, so if you're not on that email distribution list and you want to get those emails, just make sure you go online, go to our website, go to the Connect page, and you can sign up for that weekly email. But that's probably the best way to get this stuff on a consistent basis. So a bunch of things here to talk about. So let me talk about uh, a number of different things. First of all, next Sunday, make sure you're listening. This is really important for everyone in here. Next Sunday, we will not be here. Okay, there will be no one here in this, in this auditorium, in this sanctuary, next Sunday morning. So if you show up at 10 o'clock, the doors are locked and there's no one in the parking lot, you'll say, oh yeah, he said something about that last week and I forgot. Um, next week, we are going to be down at Parfet Park in downtown Golden doing the Together Church Buffalo Bill Days um, annual worship service. Okay, so what this is, is during Buffalo Bill Days is next week, um, which is a huge weekend event. And for the past 14, 15 years at least, um, we've been doing a service on Sunday mornings with the other churches in the Golden Area. So there'll be a lot of people down there in the park on the main stage at Buffalo Bill Days at 9 o'clock a.m. Okay, not 10. We're here at 10. We're not here at 10. At 9 a.m. next Sunday. Um, so make sure you bring um, lawn chairs. Make sure you bring some water. Make sure you bring some sunscreen, maybe an umbrella, whatever. Uh, it'll probably, it tends to be a little warm, but the service will be about an hour. But yeah, next Sunday morning, 9 o'clock at the park, not here. Got it? Got it. Right on. Okay. Now, other events going on in the next couple of weeks. We've got a women's gathering uh, Monday at 6.30 at Norman D. Memorial Park, which is about a half a mile up Ford Street here on the left. So very casual, informal time just to come together, ladies, and hang out. It's a really good opportunity. And really, it's um, any young, young girls as well, high school age and up, I think it is, so you can come and join that. Um, so Monday at 6.30, so tomorrow night, 6.30. We also have a couple of kind of informal life group gatherings um, over the next week or so, August, or next couple of weeks, August 2nd and August 9th. Again, there's more information on the website, more information in the weekly email, but th a couple of the life groups are hosting some picnics at the park, just so, especially if you're new and you wanna kinda get a little bit more of a taste of what life groups are all about, come to one of these events, August 2nd and August 9th. On August 3rd, um, the Salvation Army here in Golden is sponsoring a back-to-school shopping spree for kids in need. So there are opportunities to donate towards that or to actually chaperone the shopping spree. So what happens here is the kids are given a $100 gift card and the, the parents um, provide a wish list of clothing and school supplies and that kind of stuff. And then we have chaperones that go shopping with the kids on August 3rd, starting at 8 in the morning, to help them pick out their school supplies and clothing and such. So it's a really neat opportunity. But if you don't want a chaperone or you can't, but you want to donate, there's ways to do that as well. So make sure you contact Jennifer Wilson. And again, that information is in the weekly email. 
And then lastly, I want to mention our new members class on August 20th. So we don't do these on an, you know, like a, a, a regular scheduled basis. We do it on kind of a more on-demand basis. We've had a number of people express interest in being members. So on August 20th, right after the service, we'll do a new members class. It'll probably be about an hour and a half. You'll hear about the church, our theology, our background, our statement of faith, get to ask questions, find out more about us, and then understand what the membership process is, which is pretty straightforward, actually. So again, Sunday, August 20th for that. So I think that's it. Again, all this information's out there somewhere electronically, or you can ask one of us, and we'd be happy to share what's going on as well. So we're going to go ahead and dismiss kids, the young kids, um, nursery and preschool. Kindergarten through fifth grade are staying in here one more Sunday, so they're staying put. Youth group is staying put. Um, and the rest of you, just for the next couple minutes, stand up, and greet one another, and then we will come back together in just a bit.
Okay. I hear myself at all. So then we'll, uh, if it's, for some reason it's not working, we'll just turn on this. Now. Awesome. Can I ask you all to grab a seat? in the book of Romans today. Uh, we're going to try to ask this question for ourselves. Are you living in the fullness of God's grace? And, and I encourage you, if you have a, uh, your Bibles, to open the Philippians real quickly. Apostle Paul, who wrote this passage we're going to study today, also wrote a verse in Philippians, a powerful verse. Uh, chapter 1, verse 6 says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. This is actually a, a secondary application. When he was speaking these words, he was really speaking them uh, to the Philippians, the church of Philippi. He was just trying to explain to them that he would finish his work, but it, this comes to a personal application also. And really, in this small verse, Paul describes God's completed work of salvation by the grace of God. His completed work of salvation for anybody who puts their faith and trust in Jesus. First, justification. He who began a good work, God initiates this relationship by his grace. He wants to get things right with people. It tells us in James chapter 1, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among his creatures. And can I just say this? I think Paul, when he would just speak about this, getting right with God, justification, that he would just be overwhelmed. Because he knew everything he had, everything he was, was because of Jesus. In chapter 3, it says this, For we are of the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, even though he could have. It had nothing to do with his reputation, his occupation, his education. It was all about Jesus. He says, although I myself have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. As the zeal persecuted the church, as the righteousness which is by the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And he just said, you know, everything I have, it's by the grace of God. And then by God's grace, he promises to help us live out this new salvation. We call that sanctification. So the moment you come to know Christ, you're right with him until the day you die. That's what we call sanctification. He said, in you, will perfect it, will mature it. That God promises to help us. That's why he's given us his Holy Spirit. That every day we have this guidance, this direction to do what God desires for us to do, to know God better. Paul understood everything good in his life, everything the good that was going to happen in his life, every good work in his life was because of the grace of God. That God would journey through life with him. Whether he lived or died, 
It says in chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean more fruitful labor for me, and I do not know what to choose. She said, you know, for life, for Paul, it was all about God's will, doing the work of God. And he just knew that, you know, whatever it was, if God's choice was to bring him to heaven, that was good. If it was to stay here, that by God's grace, great things would happen. I, I honestly believe this, and the more I read about Paul, he was so humbled to think that God would ever use him. I get that. It was humbling for Paul. And then there's a third stage of salvation accomplished by God's grace in this one verse. It's what we call glorification until the day of Christ Jesus. Hence, Paul's focus here is eternal. It must be eternal for us to stay focused when the difficult times come. And can I say this? The more we live out our faith, the more we live by the grace of God every day, it's going to be difficult. I want to say a little bit more about that later. I think we kind of got this mindset that once we come to know Christ, everything kind of works out in life. I'd suggest often it's the opposite. I've experienced a lot more suffering than I would ever expect, and yet I've experienced God's grace more during those times than maybe ever other times. And Paul understood that. Again, in chapter 3, he says this, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And he says this in verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly await for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our bodies of humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. There's got to be this anticipation by the grace of God for what's next after this life. And we're going to live it by God's grace every day. Paul understood what it meant to live in the fullness of God's grace. I hope today will be an encouragement for all of us to to think more about how do we live that way. Because God has called us to do that. He's commanded us to do this in this passage we're going to study today. Let me ask you to bow your heads and let's ask for God's blessing on our time. Father God, we just come to you understanding how undeserving we are to know a God that created all things. To know the God who would desire so much to know us that he would choose to send his son to die for us. That's just hard for us to grasp. And so we'd ask Holy Spirit to take the words of truth. You are the spirit of truth and use these words to encourage us to live more for Jesus, to, to be more devoted to Jesus in a world that so desperately needs him. Lord, we believe your truth can transform lives. We, we come just asking for you to speak and we hope that we can put aside those things that are on our hearts sometimes where I know my mind can be all over the place. That in humility we come to your word just expecting great things. Bless your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I encourage you to turn to Romans chapter 5. And our passage really is going to discuss 
Are you living in the fullness of God's grace? I just want to begin by saying thanks to, to Sean, Pastor Sean here. Uh, the sermon last week, and I said this to you after the sermon, but you took such a difficult passage <laughs> on sin, and you just fed us truth. And I, I love that. I mean, how can you be encouraged about sin? I don't know, but I was really encouraged. And, and again, I'm just so grateful for truth. But let me just say, start by saying, you can't understand God's grace at a deep level unless you understand that God saves only undeserving people. There are none righteous, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we, we'll all fit that. None of us will enter heaven without an understanding that we have a holy God who hates sin. Hates it so much that he sent his son to die on our behalf. We put our faith in what he's done because we can't do it. Sin is mentioned 17 times in the immediate context here for a reason. Sin came through Adam and unless sin is dealt with, it will keep people separated from God now and forever. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 tells us these words. It says, For after all, it is only right for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted along with us when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his holy angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These people will pay the penalty of eternal destructions away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And again, if we don't grasp at a deep level that our sin is against God, and that you and I deserve to be apart from him in hell forever, you probably don't think you need a Savior. Because we desperately need him. And what he has done on our behalf, that's where faith really comes in. Sin greatly affects our relationship with God. So it's important to recognize the gravity of our sin in our lives, and we need to take it seriously. So Paul begins our section of Scripture on justification by God's grace. In the first 16 verses, he really starts to deal with that. Look at verses 1 and 2, chapter 5. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. This justification, and if you want to get a good grasp of what it means, it means just as if you've never sinned. But again, the idea here is if our sin is not dealt with, if we have not put our faith in Christ, we are enemies of God. verses 9 and 10 chapter 5 as much more than having been justified by his blood we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him for while we are enemies we are reconciled to God through the death of his son much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life again just crazy to think we'd be enemies of God because we've disobeyed the gospel is what it says it's basically saying you don't think you think you can do it on your own, and God's saying you can't. Jesus is the only answer we have. You say, well, why, why would God do this? It's all a free gift. Why is grace? Through faith. Read verses 15 and 16. But the free gift 
is not like the transgression, for if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. And the gift is not like that which comes through the one who sinned, for on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation, but on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. I mean, I, I just think when Paul would speak about justification, I think he would just be overwhelmed. I think he just kept thinking to himself, how could God save someone like me? I mean, I, I just think he understood it, it, at this deep level. So when he would begin to speak, he would just be overwhelmed with the thought of God's grace. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Again, Paul, as he speaks here, verses 3 through 18, it's interesting. He starts to speak about the grace of God and everything God's done in his life, and he can't even put a period in the original Greek. He just keeps going, and I, I just can imagine as the Spirit is speaking, he's just enjoying every word of it, going, I can't believe it! It's so good. Listen to some of the things he says here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. And he predestined us as adoption to the sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. It just starts to speak. He said, every spiritual blessing is available to Christ will be us. He chose us. He chose to love us. He adopted us into his family. He said, why would he do this? Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed upon us, our beloved. Then he says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, every sin you've ever forgiven, past, present, future. He's redeemed you. He's bought you. He sees you only in love, holy and blameless. And you say, why? How could he do that? He says at the end of this verse, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Look at chapter 2. Ephesians, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin. That means you were a spiritual corpse. That's what he's saying. You have nothing you could do. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that now is working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But... God, being rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us, even when we are dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Isn't that beautiful? You say, so what should be our response to this? I'd suggest we should be overwhelmed like Paul, overwhelmed with thanks and gratitude. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16, say, Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Do you, he's just saying, just continue to give thanks. Do you realize that's the will of God that we do that? God didn't just tell us that. He said, this is my will for you to do this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always, praying without ceasing, in everything. 
give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. I mean, our response should be thanks to God. And can I say this? I, I think this is important. And often I try to do this. I, you begin your day, and I don't know if you can write this down, but just begin by writing, thanking God that you know him. Start there. Just start thanking God for the good stuff, that you're one of his children. And then continue to thank him for the good things in your life. Beloved, every good and perfect gift is from him, and it comes down from our Father in heaven. Do you realize that? Everything good. And, and, and all he asks for us is to be thankful. And then continue to believe and give thanks that he's got a plan for our lives. That, that, that amazes me. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. That is a promise given to us. Not only are we saved by grace, but we're going to live by grace every day and our lives can be meaningful and purposeful, impactful for the kingdom. You remember when I was a, a new believer, I mean, I just became a you know, gave my life to Christ and everything was new. And I found this salvation. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And the very first thing I knew in my heart, I knew this deeply in my heart, that God had a plan for me. And I just thought, oh my gosh, God has a plan for my life? That was like the most amazing thing in the world. But I believed it. I just believed it. How could he save somebody like me, much less to use me? But he did. That was his choice. And that's his choice for all of us. Again, in Romans here, chapter 5, it says this in verse 17, For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 20 and verse 21, And the law came in that transgression might increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. The sin reign in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness. From the moment you get right with God to the moment you die is what we call sanctification. And by God's grace, he's enough for everything in your life. All the struggles. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. What he's basically saying is when you're journeying with God through your life and you're going to make your mistakes, you're going to commit your sins, God is saying, I am here to extend more and more grace to you just to know how much I love you and care. I'll get you through it. I've said this many times. Some of my best days as a believer, the most impactful days were days that just started terribly in my heart and my life. Terrible attitude. You know, sinful. And then God still by his grace does something great. How does that work? I'm just glad it works. Philip Yancey in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, shares these thoughts. It says, grace does not excuse sin, but it treasures the sinner. Grace means that there's nothing we can do to make God love us more. And grace means there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. So if, if and he shares this in the book, if God's grace is his love for the undeserving, he asks then, what does it look like in action? And if Christians are its sole dispensers, then how are we doing at lavishing grace in a world that knows far more cruelty and unforgiveness than it does mercy? 
See, see I believe this. Uh, to really understand grace, you've you got to understand he extends it to us in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our mistakes, in the midst of our sin. That's when grace is experienced powerfully. Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says this. It says, do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? So do you understand that God extends his grace and kindness, especially in those bad moments of life? Have you taken that lightly? See, grace truly understood is extended when somebody's wronged us. When somebody's making bad choices or handle a situation bad, that's when grace has powerful impact. There's a story I've shared over the years that I'll never forget. See, I grew up in a very unsafe home. My dad was an alcoholic, and he was, he was very angry most of the time. In fact, he'd get up many days and just, you know, swear and, you know, vulgarities and just how angry he was about everything in life. It, it was scary to think if you did anything wrong around there, what could happen? So when I became a dad, a new dad, I just prayed to God that I wouldn't yell at my kids. That was one of the biggest things. I just thought, I don't want that, that fear thing. And, and so, you know, if I were going to discipline, I wanted to discipline them in love. So if they did something wrong, I'd send them in a room to think about it. But also what they were thinking about, I had to think about my, my stuff. <laughs> you know, because I knew there were times I'd be really angry and really frustrated. And I had to take some time to get myself right before I went into the room because I knew I would be, you know, out of control probably or say things I wish I didn't say. Well, give you a little more background. With my son, when he was in junior high and high school, we used to have a night every week that we'd just hang out together. We'd make plans for that night. It was a really special night. So we made it a Friday night. We're going to go hang out. We're going to grab a meal together. And we were both really committed to this. And so came Friday night, and, and my son said, oh, I forgot I had some plans. I made some plans. He said, can we do this tomorrow on Saturday? And I'm thinking, yeah, we can, but I'm pretty frustrated that he did that. So Saturday comes along, and it comes that night, and next thing you know, he says, oh, I forgot I have a sleepover. Oh, I'm really, really frustrated. I'm angry. So Sunday morning, on our way back from church, in one of those holy mornings, <laughs> he's in the car, and he completely forgets that we're going to do it on Sunday. And without even thinking, I start yelling at him. And I'm just angry, and I'm frustrated. With his best friend in the car, Chris, I'm just kind of yelling, and I just said some things that I really regret. I'll never forget this. I remember going into my bedroom, just really discouraged, really ashamed, talking to the Lord. So I just can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. What kind of dad would do that? And I'm walking out through the hallway of our, our home, just kind of going, and I look inside my daughter's room, Heidi's room at this time. This is 28 years ago. And, and on her desk was the original, this letter she had written. You can still see it. Let me read it to you. It's my dad. That's what it's titled. My dad's name is Michael Gill, but they call him Gus. He works at Colorado Christian University. For, for years I couldn't read this thing. I was just weeping through this thing. <laughs> Little 12-year-old. He works at Colorado Christian University. He's very special to me. My dad is so, so, so important to me. My dad loves me a lot. 
The relationship between me and my dad is, of course, he's my dad and I'm his daughter. We both have great love for each other. Every once in a while, he takes me to his work. Like I said, he loves me a lot. He likes to play basketball with the students. My dad deserves the best dad in the universe. <laughs> I, you know, as I reflect on that over the years, I think that was God's kind words to me to lead me to repentance. He knew exactly what I needed to hear to give me hope. I wonder how many times we miss out on those words. You know, God wants to give us those words of grace. But as good as that moment was and probably always will be, he has plans for all of us to make an, an impact on the world around us, to influence people for Jesus by his grace. It says in verse 17, will reign in life. Verse 21, even so grace might reign through righteousness because of the one man, Jesus. We can reign in life. There's an emphatic point of comparison here. If death reigned, there must be a reign of life by the grace of God. It's the idea here again that daily we can make a difference for the kingdom. Daily we can make a difference for Jesus. In fact, the idea here in the Greek is the activity of life and fellowship with Christ, the sovereign power of God. When we are fellowshipping with him, it's reaches fullness in our lives as we put our faith in him. So basically what he's saying is, is, is God releases his power for us to influence others. Isn't that amazing? By his grace. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. What? I came that you might have it abundantly. I didn't come just for you to survive. I came for you to make a huge difference on the kingdom. So are you living by God's grace, by his power, or by your own? You might respond, well, Gus, I, I can never live up. I'm not good enough to be used by God. Well, God uses only undeserving people, so you fit the category. So do I. That's why he's grace. We'll never deserve it. See, the re real response should be humility. Humbled that God wants to use any of us by his grace. Let me suggest a passage to help us all to respond appropriately, to live more in this manner. It's found in James chapter 4, verses 5 through 10. It says, Or do you think that the scripture says to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit whom he has made to dwell in us. But he gives a greater grace, therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. I, you know, I think where you start here is by just confessing your sin. Just be honest with God. You know, tell him where you're at. Just tell him, you know, God, I, you know, there's just days I just don't want to, I don't want to see people. <laughs> I, I just don't want to do what he wants me to do. 
you know, you just selfish, you just want to check out a life and just tell them where you're at. Confess your sin, get, get things right. Ask for the Holy Spirit to help you. He's been given to us to help. He jealously desires to work in our lives. That's what the scriptures tell us. This is draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. I just love that. You know, just it's like, okay, God, I just need you. <laughs> I want to know you better. Draw close to him and he'll draw close to you. And he promises to even give a greater grace. That that time in, in, in those moments when we just come to him honestly and, and just give him our lives, he says he will exalt us. Is that so amazing to you? I can just see it's like a father who's so proud of his kids. You know, he's just calling out. It's so funny, I, we, get, we had a chance to see my grandsons play a bunch of baseball this summer. I'm the loudest fan. I'm yelling for them. Any good play they make, I, go to, I literally go to the dugout and talk to them. That was awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> Imagine God does the same for his children. You know that? Imagine just speaking to the angels and just talking about our lives. There's a, a final stage of God's grace. We call it glorification. It's that we'll be with God forever. It's found in verse 21. Then a sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That day when you and I will move into this next life. I think, I think we need to anticipate that. We need to have more hope for that. Because otherwise we get too focused on what we think we need here. We need to, to just be seeking out this kingdom. Because we have no promise we're going to have another day. In Hebrews chapter 13, it speaks about saints who understood that. It says, all these died in faith without receiving the promises. But having seen and welcomed them from a distance and having confessed them, they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear they are seeking a country of their own. And if they had been thinking of that country which they left, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I mean, it speaks about these these faithful people. I, I'd encourage you to turn to Hebrews 13 real quick because I, I think there's this misunderstanding in our Christian philosophy, theology, if you want to call it. We, we have this tendency to think life works great. It doesn't work great. In fact, I, and I said this earlier, if, I'm suggesting if you live more for Christ, you're going to see more struggle. You're going to see a lot more suffering. But that leads us to him. That's the good part. He's waiting but, but listen to the folks that this was speaking about in Hebrews chapter 11. It says this, verse 36, the others experienced mockings and scourging, just also chains and imprisonment. This is for living for Christ. They were stoned, they were sawed in two. They were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. Men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. 
all of these having gained approval through their God, did not receive what was promised. They, they, they continue to believe. And God said, I, I'm not, those are, I'm so proud of these, that they saw that life was more. We were babysitting our granddaughters last week, and uh, my granddaughter Maya just became a Christian about two or three months ago. Oh my gosh, just amazing. It's changing her little heart. And we're sitting watching this movie, and there's a story. Someday we'll tell a story. It's an amazing story. But she just turned and said, Grandpa, are, are there many ways to heaven? And actually, I misunderstood her question. But I said, No, no, Jesus, you know, he's waiting. He'll be waiting there for us in heaven. And, and he's going to be there to welcome us in. You know, it's kind of explaining. And, and I, I was thinking of, of John chapter 14, and in the context of John chapter 14, a lot of people don't understand it. This is right after he tells Peter he's going to deny him a few times. Can you imagine what Peter is feeling? And then, then he gives him these words of encouragement. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you because I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'm coming again and will take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. I believe those words to Peter, he thought about them all the time. I, I think it allowed Peter to understand his salvation on a profound level. I think he lived in the fullness of God's grace every day, a deeper level, because he got those words right when he needed them. See, those are the words that matter. We're really struggling. He, he was promised by Jesus that he'd be with them forever. What a great promise to hold to. One last thought, and I, I think it's easy, for, and I, I'm just as guilty as anybody, taking this grace for granted. We're becoming so accustomed to it, we forgot how amazing it is. Because it's so amazing. When I was teaching theology many years ago, I had a student named Dan Johnson in my class. He used to actually, I've shared this before, when I was teaching theology, I'd have him lead worship right before we get into the theology class. And he wrote a song, and, and let me ask you, you just bow your heads, and I want to just read this song to you, and then I'll pray. But again, just this attitude that somehow we can make this life work without the Lord, that we're going to repay him back, because we can't. Or we're going to do it on our own. It's called too strong. It says, you want to be loving and compassionate, but you don't acknowledge your own pain. You want to give food to the hungry, but you've never really cried in the rain. You say you want to know me, but you've got me all figured out. You wonder why I don't seem to do anything. I'm just waiting till you're all burnt out. You root out the sins of everyone else while you never seem to do any wrong. You think you're so spiritual, but you're not because you're much too strong. When you are lost, you can be found. You can be right when you know you're wrong. When you're hungry, you can be filled. When you're weak, you can be strong. I want to live my life in you, but you insist on living your own. I promise that I'll never leave you, but you seem to think you're all alone. 
I said, my grace is sufficient for you, but you kept on looking at the law. I said, seek and you will find me. So you went to church, but it wasn't me that you saw. I put within you a heart, a sweet melody, but you keep trying to write your own song. I put deep inside you the love of God, but you don't know it because you're much too strong. I said, come to me if you're weary, but you just kept keeping on. I said, come to me and I'll give you rest. But you were up at the crack of dawn. I said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, but you thought of something more to do. I said, it's finished, the battle is won, but you had to keep fighting your way through. I keep waiting for you to lay down and give up, because when you're weak, then I'm strong. I want to give you love, peace, and joy, but I can't because you're much too strong. You try so hard to earn my favor, but I favored you all along. You need so bad to know my strength, but you don't because you're much too strong. Let me pray. Father, we confess how often we try to do this thing without you. And we ask God, help us. Help us to see that you're a gracious God. All I can think of in these last weeks is how kind you are. I see the kindness of your life in so many ways, so many little ways. I just don't want to ever take that for granted. Help us to see that more in our lives. God, we pray you to help us to be people that extend that same grace to others. Maybe there might be somebody that's really hurt us. Help us to just reconcile. Help us to maybe send a kind note, a word of encouragement to put on our heart a way to extend grace in such a manner that people would see that we live differently, that we think differently, we believe differently. We would ask God that we would live more in the fullness of God's grace because of Jesus. I take your words today. Encourage us. Remind us just how much you love us. We love you, Lord. We need you. sinners poor and needy weak and wounded sick and sore Jesus ready stands to save you full of pity love and power Come and welcome God's free bounty glorified true belief and true repentance every grace that brings you nigh 
to your table, Lord, and I delight here in your presence, because there is joy. your table and I'm made whole here in your presence so I come to your table your table 
Confess my need for you, Jesus. Oh, how I need you, Lord. So I come. I come. Far beyond what eyes could ever see Yet he stands in front of me How good is he? He paints a canvas with a million stars Yet still he holds my heart Our Father in heaven The light of salvation oh how good is he the breath of almighty before and behind me oh how good is he how good is he Forgiveness isn't bound by circumstance. He's the God of second chance. How good is he? When a sinner's heart is all that I could bring, still he welcomes me, our Father in heaven, the light salvation oh how good is he the breath of almighty before and behind me oh how good is he our father our father in heaven the light of salvation good is he, the breath of almighty before and behind me. Oh, how good is he.
with everything for everything we thank you jesus everything with everything for everything thank you jesus everything with everything for
salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Sing that again. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't we stand? Jesus, Jesus. 
Jesus, we praise you. You're setting us free. We praise you that death and sin have lost. You have the victory. God, help us to live a life of victory, a life of hope, a life that displays and shows your grace. Help us to do that, God. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your truth, truth that sets us free. Thank you for your grace. Would you go before us today and this week as we live out our lives, help our lives to point to you and your grace and your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.